Energize, the Lawn Friend Podcast is brought to you by Hustler Hollywood, your one-stop shop for all things erotica, with 11 stores across the United States. Our sexy shelves are stocked with DVDs, books, lingerie, vibrators, butt plugs, lubricants, fetish gear, and bachelorette party supplies. At Hustler Hollywood, we know that sex is free. We only sell the accessories. If you're at our flagship store on the Sunset Strip, located across the street from the world-famous Rainbow, Roxy, and Whiskey, ask for Blaze or TC. Mention Energize, and you'll get a delicious discount on something delightfully dangerous. LF and LF, Lawn Friend and Larry Flint, energetically connected for more than 30 years. Scotty, Energize. From the desert to the sea. I used to be a Vin Scully line back in my hometown of Los Angeles. But I'm not in Los Angeles anymore. I'm in Las Vegas, Nevada. I'm at the home of Jeff Young and Cherry Klein. And this is our sofa. These are our high-end microphones. This is my voice. This is my podcast. It's Energize the Lawn Friend Podcast number 44. We've done 44 shows. And the fourth show in the desert since I relocated back to the sands. Thank you for joining me, America, the world, the handful who follow and tell their friends. So, okay, so tonight, I mean, it'll be like joy and woe intertwined, fabric of the soul divine. The woe will come in the second half. I want to talk about Philip Seymour Hoffman and, and Almost Famous and then and other things. I'm happy to be here with you, Jeff Young. Thank you. Ahoy. Ahoy from across the room. It's good having Mike Stark in San Pedro, producer, engineer, uh, Skype and Jeff right here sitting next to me. And therefore, I feel like I have an organization helping me get my voice and my word out to the world. And that's, a, that's good. So, okay. Yeah, that was a heavy weekend, man. Super Bowl and... But, I mean, I'm not going to belabor that. Congratulations, Seattle. All right. Mike McCready's town finally has a Super Bowl champion. Talk, keep, it, keep it about guitar players tonight because in Stone Gossard. Keep it about guitar players tonight because I have a very special guest. I'm going to bring her in. Bring her in like, like she's off stage. She's sitting on the sofa next to me. <laughs> okay, so <clears throat> her name is Lisa S. Johnson. She's a photographer. She's Canadian, and she has created this extraordinary book. It's not really a book. It's more like, it's it, it's it's more like a Bible. It's heavy, leather bound, and it's called One Hundred and Eight Rock Star Guitars. It's not a compendium about guitar players so much as it is a compendium about guitars. So it's a it, it's for gear lovers. But it's also for those who want to know the essence of what went through the strings and the necks and the bodies of some of the most legendary guitars. 
And Lisa's sitting here. Hi, Lisa. Hey, Long. It's nice to have you here on the Energize podcast. It's nice to be here. Thank you for having me. Okay. Now, because I, there's so many, there's so many great axmen in this, and so many great tales. I want to first get an overview of how you, how did this book? Because first of all, I've written two books, and I know how difficult it is just the creative process and, and the process of of getting a book published. How did you get this? It weighs about twenty pounds. <laughs> uh, it's how many pages? It's uh, three hundred ninety-six pages. It's it's beautiful. It's about a foot by. It's heavy. It's very coffee table, and and it's it's full color and it's 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 high quality. Why don't you tell us, if you can, briefly how this book came about? How did this book come about? <laughs> All right. Well, the book came about because uh, I, I grew up in a musical family. My father played multiple instruments. My mother sang. And uh, I ended up working for the Eastman Kodak Company in Memphis, Tennessee. Okay. And I started uh, dating the guitar player at church. And uh, <sighs> Wait a I, minute. Wait, your church had a guitar player? Oh, yeah. Not an organist? Well, I went to a rockin' church. You did? Oh, I was in Memphis. In Memphis? <laughs> That's my iPhone going off. I have to turn it off. So, so, so my dad, my yes. dad, uh, being a musician, told me I was never allowed to date musicians. So I called up my dad to confess. I'm like, Dad, I'm dating a guitar player, but um, he's the guitar player at church, and he happens to own a vintage guitar store. Okay. And he goes, Oh, that's different. You know, hey, I, if he ever gets in a Gibson mandolin, I've always wanted one. Let me know. So two weeks later, he gets in a mint condition 1917 Gibson mandolin. I said, Hey, how much? I want to buy that for my dad as a present. And he said, you can't afford it, but if you photograph some guitars for me that I don't want to sell, that I have to sell, I'll trade you. So I said, done deal. So I photographed some guitars for Hank, and I traded him for the mandolin, and I fell in love with guitars, photographing guitars, the shape of them. And it was the first time that I really loved my imagery. And uh, then when, when Kodak ended up transferring me to New York City, I thought I may as well photograph famous guitars, so let's go see if Les Paul will let me photograph his guitar. Because he played every night, every Monday. He night. did. He played every night. Richie Sambora took me to see him one night. Oh, right on. He played in this club. Yeah, the Iridium Room. Yeah, I'll tell you when I was there. 2002. So he's well into his 80s. Oh, probably yeah. getting close to 90, yeah. 2002. And Richie goes, come on, I'm going to take you to see Les. I go, what? You want to see Les Ball? Really? He goes, yeah. And we went there, and, and Les saw Richie from the stage, and he, he, he gave him, like, a love chat from the from the stage and we went backstage afterwards this, I, I just want to share this. get him up on stage to play no but i want to share this line because i remember this line uh we're sitting there in the dressing room and i'm i'm just me flying the wall just watching my friend richie talk to the legend the man who invented the electric guitar and and he goes how are you feeling Les?" and let's go richie i'm looking for the a new note I can't play this one anymore, so I'm oh. looking for a new one. Oh. He's looking for a new note. Oh, that's cool. And story. I hold that line with me forever wow. that I got to sit in a room that's with cool. Les Paul and hear that line. Yeah. Anyway, back to you. So you photographed his I guitar. Photographed Les's guitar. And uh, then I used to hang out at the reading room every Monday night that I could. And so John Schofield was down there and Bucky Pizzarelli and Howard Alden and 
a bunch of guys, jazz guys, would go and I'd, can I photograph your guitar? And they'd say, sure. So then I ended up uh, having some mutual friends that connected me to photographing Lou Reed's guitar. And, yeah. Uh, These I, were the earliest pieces yeah. for your, as your book started to come together? Yeah, in like 1997, I started shooting. This has been a 15, 16 year project. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Wow. It's actually 17 now. 17 year yeah. project. Mm -hmm. Wow. So, in the, so then it sort of like kind of picked up steam on its own. That you knew you had an idea and, and it felt right because you're a good photographer, right? Well, I just, I felt compelled to keep doing it because I loved the images so much. I fell in love with my images for the first time when I saw these. And I loved the music. I grew up on the music of, of most of the players in this book. And so I, um, I just I was like, wow, if I'm going to photograph something, I may as well photograph something that's meaningful to me. And these are, mean, music is so meaningful to me. I yeah. can't live without it. And uh, so I just celebrate the artists. And I just turn to a page. You know, uh, you know, know how with biblical texts or spiritual texts, you just open to a yes. page and it speaks to you. I'm I opened to Mark Farner's page. It's going to be more perfect. And I, and, and I added him on Facebook. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Because I was in this documentary that, that they, they sent me from the UK uh, about um, rock anthems and Mark Farner. And, and it was such a great story for the, drum, the drummer of, where, of, of uh, Grand Funk Railroad on how We're an American Band was written and where it came from. And Todd Rundgren produced it. And, and, and I had Mark Farner on the brain all week. And then I opened up and here oh. it is. So, and his wife's name is Lisa. Okay, Lisa, that's like your She's name. She's different, though. When, when did you shoot his guitar? Which guitar okay. is this that you're Well, that's a Parker Fly, and uh, he, he calls that guitar Baby, because right. it's his baby. Okay. And uh, this was photographed, uh, he was up doing a festival at the Greek Theater in Los Angeles, which I love that theater. Yes, Greek. I do too. And uh, Mark sat with me while I photographed this particular guitar, and uh, Ken Parker actually signed that one. Mm -hmm. So it's, kind of, it's a treasure. Yeah, it is. <laughs> I'm just going to thumb through, and then you, you can throw an anecdote at me, okay? okay what am I looking oh at right gosh. here? Well, that's Pages. Uh, okay, so the stairway you call this the high priestess of rock guitars. That's it. Okay, so tell us the story around the double neck. Uh, well, uh, I was so pleased when I got a yes to photograph Jimmy Page's guitar, and uh, I had... I was photographing Eric Johnson's guitar one night in Las Vegas for the Experience Hendrix uh, show. Right. And I came in to shoot uh, in the afternoon. Robert Knight was already there scoping mm -hmm. the place out because he was shooting the show that night. And I'd met Robert a couple of times. So, you know, I said hi to him and I got started to tell him like, hey, you know. Uh, Robert can I'm, tell you the, some of the best Led Zeppelin stories. Oh, I'm sure. Yes. So I'm like, hey, you know, I, I, I'm excited. I, I just got permission. You know, looks like I'm going to England to photograph Jimmy's guitar. And he's like, oh, yeah. He goes, what guitar are you going to shoot? And I go, I don't know yet. And he says, well, if you get a choice, tell them that you want the stairway to have a guitar. <laughs> so I'm like, okay. So uh, they when they emailed, they said, what, what guitar were you thinking about? So I wrote back and I said, well, I would either like the stairway to have a guitar, you know, the, the live guitar. Right. Uh, or I'd like his Les Paul with the bow. Because right. I haven't really seen that photographed mm -hmm. before. I don't mm -hmm. have recollection of that. So... Mm -hmm. Uh, they came back and said, okay, so I just still didn't know until I arrived. And when I arrived, they brought um, that, the Gibson SG, the double neck EDS 12. I know there are situations throughout. 1968. 68. You know, that's the one right yeah. there. You can see the back of the headstocks there, how, how encrusted they are with 
years of, oh, yeah. of being on the road and, and yeah. on on stage. I mean, those those things weren't clean to pristine condition. <laughs> no, there's all kinds of fluid and yeah. and, and, and mythical droppings on these. On, yes, on that's these. why it's the high priestess. And when you mm -hmm. add up the serial number there, it actually totals to the number two. And the number two is the number for communication. Yes, yes. And, you know. I know numerology is important to you because the one thing that attracted me to, to your book and to you was the 108 because I've been doing yoga and meditating for over 15 years and 108 is how many beats there are on the mala. And mm -hmm. so your book, there was a reason why. It's not happenstance that you shot 108 guitars. That's right. Right? Yeah, I wanted there to be a cosmic element to the book. I am a yogi, and I wanted to find a unique way to be able to share, how, you know, anything that I want to do. I, I want to share my heart and my soul and what's in it, and yoga yes. is close to me. And um, so, yeah, the number 108 is cosmic. Everything, everyone always goes, the 101 greatest, the 100 greatest. 108 asks the question. It creates an interest. Why 108? I want people to be interested in this book and in the number 108. And then comes the story, which, and I'm reading your book at the NAM show. I'm sitting in your booth, and I haven't, you're not even there. You're running around doing things, and I'm, I'm going through this book for a good 30, 30 minutes. And then I come across Kim Thale from Soundgarden, mm -hmm. who I had adventures with back in, in the... Uh, Lucky. Yes, back in the Bad Motor Finger and Super Unknown oh, days when right Rip on. Magazine was... So you were with him when he was probably playing Spidey. Yes. So tell us how you met Kim and the exchange you had because he told you a story about the number 801. Yes. Which I found wonderful. Yeah. Go ahead. Well, I, I went to a studio where, where he was recording in Seattle. And uh, it was really cute because I, was, when I got to the studio first. And when he came in, he was carrying two cases and he didn't see that I was sitting on a sofa and he said, I don't even know if she's going to want to photograph these. And I, I said, yeah, I, I bet I will. And so we opened up the cases and he had uh, these two gills, you know, that he'd had been stored because they were, they were no longer touring guitars. And uh, one of them was probably one that you saw him play. It was a guild that uh, um, one of his, a girlfriend at the time or someone had given him this ticker, sticker of Spider-Man, and he stuck it on there. Mm -hmm. And then that guitar became Spidey. You know, his fans would say, hey, hey, bring out Spidey, you know. <laughs> so uh, anyway, um, I'm talking to Kim, and we're rapping about a lot of stuff. And I, because he, his, his family, his heritage is Indian, I thought, well, he, would, he may understand about the 108 thing. So I... I started having this conversation with him about the 108 and it got turned around real fast because he had lots to tell me about it and and uh in the counting of numbers and and then he's like you know did you know about the band 801 yeah. i'm like what no i had never heard of yeah and and so i read this and i said i go and she comes back to the booth when i'm looking at her i go i saw 801 and, you, and she goes <laughs> what i go yeah phil manzanera brian eno uh, that record was legend. 801 Live is arguably one of the five greatest live records ever wow. recorded. And um, my brother and I were so into it. Joe Bazzello, a lot of my prog friends were way into Eno. And, and, and that record is legend. Because there was something so sonic about that live record. <clears throat> and, and, and Lisa's completely naive to the fact that there was an 801. I mean, it is underground. Sort of. It's a prog underground I was born, thing. I was born in 63. When were they around? I, I, uh, I, don't, I don't care. 
70s. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, no, you're not too. It's not it, a year thing. It's, it's hard to be on top of all. Everything. But a Roxy Music fan knows who 801 is. Okay. Well, I am a Roxy fan. Okay. Roxy see, that one got by you. Then. Yeah. It got by but me. anyway. Um, yeah, I was growing up in northern Canada after all, in a small yeah, town. Yeah, you're a kid. Yeah, I know. Yeah. You're listening Very a lot. Very north. Of, north of Edmonton. Way north. Up in the great white north is where I grew up. Yeah. Did Alex Lifeson ever come to your town? Uh, no, he did not. But Loverboy did, and so did Cheap Trick. <laughs> oh, that's cool. There's, okay, so there's so many stories. We're going we're gonna to continue to go through your book. But before that, I'm going to treat you to some 801 Live. Oh, right on. Okay, Mike, cool. let's do it. It's Energize the Lawn Fred Podcast.
Energize the Lawn Friend podcast live from Las Vegas, streaming at Jeff Young's house with Lisa S. Johnson, photographer, author, Lisa S. Johnson, 108 rock star guitars. We've, we've talked to about four of the guitar players. That was Soundgarden, Kim Thale. We heard a great Kim Thale story. The essence of Kim Thale, his Native American fingers. And, and we heard 801 Live. And I'm sure my brother's jumping because I know every, I remember every lyric to that. That was the live version, but it was originally on, if I'm not mistaken, it was originally on Brian Eno's Before and After Science, but I have to, I'd have to study. So Richie Kotzen, Randy Bachman, your countryman, yeah. right? Yeah. Your Canadian countryman, Rick Derringer, Trevor Boulder. Wow, you got Mick Ronson. Yeah. Well, how did you find Mick Ronson's guitar? He's been gone for a while. Right. Uh, I had... Uh... A cool guy helped me out a little while, um, briefly, on helping me to get some guitars, and he did some research, and he found out that Mick Ronson's, you know, iconic Gibson Les Paul was uh, being stored, being held in a, a place in Connecticut, and so he called them, and we tracked him down, and uh, they, he agreed to let me come and photograph it, and I've, I've since met Susie. Ronson. Yes. Lovely woman. She is, talented woman. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And um, I'm just, you know, this is his original strap, guitar strap that he wore mm -hmm. all those years. And the original strings that when the, when the guitar was acquired, it was actually, uh, Mick had given it to the Hard Rock in mm -hmm. Australia. Mm -hmm. And this guy tracked it down. He's like, that guitar belongs to be, you know, taken care of. And so he's got it in storage and it's in good safety. I just watched on YouTube. Randomly, go by the way, guitar hanger. To, yeah, I just watched the final Spiders show. Oh, really? Yeah, wow. from Hammersmith. Oh, that'd it's, be cool to watch. It's so epic. I've not seen that. And oh, then yeah. you know, after uh, it was actually actually after seventy three, that, I, that I got an opportunity to photograph McBox's um, guitars in L.A. Okay. And so I'm there and I'm photographing Mick's guitar. Mick's there hanging with me, and, and uh, he's like, you know, you know, you really you should photograph Trevor's bass i mean he's he's playing with us and i'm like oh my gosh i, I didn't even put it together yeah. that trevor boulder was the bass player for your right <laughs> he's been with them for so long <laughs> anyway uh there was trevor and uh has this not been an educational journey oh for gosh. you too learning about these rich with education yeah rich it's so fascinating it's been the time of my life learning about this and from sure. all the, the most wonderful people guitar techs and and just uh, the artists themselves, you know. So there's Trevor. He comes along with his bass and he hands it down to me from the stage. And, and I'm like, is that the spider from Mars bass? And he's like, yeah, this is the one I've had all along. Awesome. So I'm like, give me that thing. So photographed his, his bass. And, um, I get chills just thinking I mean, about that. Those, that. those That was my vinyl. Those records were playing in my room when I was in high school. Dude, that's why it is so cool. I, I flipped through this book myself. Man who sold I'm, the world. Hello. I'm Go watching ahead. you flip through the pages here, and I and I look and I'm like, oh wow, it's John Petrucci. And I'm like. Wait, wait. I took that picture. You know, I have to pinch myself and just go, man. You know. Tell us about the blessed. Petrucci photo. Oh well, uh, I mean that that guitar looks more like a race car to me than most guitars. <laughs> I mean, he's got that thing alive. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's, Ernie, a, it's, it's an Ernie ball, huh? Yeah. Yeah. It's a beautiful, beautiful guitar. 
Yeah, as you go, Robbie Krieger. Robbie Krieger, man, he, he personally wow. brought three of his guitars out to my house. and um, In Los Angeles? Uh-huh, up in Malibu, and, and I have a studio there. I loved I love it when artists or the artists will at least send their guitars over to my home And studio. Robbie just brought them over? Robbie brought them over. He was on his way to golf anyway, so uh, <laughs> he cruised over. He opens up the trunk. He's got, like, two sets of golf clubs in there and, like, And a couple SGs. <laughs> so, uh... <laughs> We pull those out and. Oh, that's and, uh, fantastic! As I was photographing the SG, he was playing the the uh, 1963 Jose Ramirez guitar that his dad bought for him when he was 17 that he played Spanish Caravan on. So he's like playing Spanish Caravan to me, and I'm shooting the SG and I'm shooting the the Krieger burst. Cool times with Robbie, man. Yeah, you're in heaven. Loved hanging with Robbie. Well, he wrote some of the most legendary riffs. I mean, think about it. What were the what, what were the doors? They were there were four musicians, and their alchemy was extraordinary. Exactly, Incredible. exactly what was this, was supposed to be at that the moment in time. Epitome of sex, drugs, and rock and roll. Thank, man. thank you, Steve Howe, one of Steve my heroes. Howe, yeah. Yeah. So this is. Dude, I I had requested his guitar, and I hadn't heard back. Which one is this? Uh, this is his Gibson. Uh, so. Sixty-four. Yeah, 64. He calls it Mr. Gibson, and he's been known to get his own plane seat on an airplane. <laughs> For this guitar? Yeah. That's the story. <laughs> yeah. Yours is no disgrace, Mr. Howe. Seat 5B for your <laughs> guitar. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> yeah, so I'm, I was shooting uh, Tommy Shaw's guitar that night, and uh, uh, J.Y. Young's. And I had requested Steve, and they were playing uh, the same gig. Sticks and Yes? Yeah. Okay. At the Greek Theater. Okay. So uh, I'm, I'm there, and uh, I'm saying I'm shooting, photographing Tommy Shaw's, and I'm photographing JY's. And the guitar techs are coming in, and the, and the guy that Steve Howes, um, he's checking it out. And I'm like, yeah, I, I requested Steve, but I didn't hear back. And so he's like, okay. So he come, leaves and he comes back with Steve's guitar. Yeah. So you I'm take like, the rock, dude. Yeah. So you like take the guitar into a room where you set up your lighting and stuff. Yeah. If I can. It's like they're like people to you, Generally, right? They're like artists. They are. I mean, you need to have. A, I need to have a little private time with them. Yeah. A lot of times, I do have um, people standing right there and watching and hovering. Ian. Yeah. Ian Hunter. Ian you know. Hunter. Yeah. That's also that's such a gorgeous guitar and uh, that's it's an acoustic. Mm-hmm. Acoustic. And that, that one also is uh, compliments. I photographed this same day as, uh, as Mick. My old friend Dean DeLeo from Stone Temple Pilots. I know. Part of the DeLeo brother. Now that looks yeah. like a beat up. Yeah. That, that, that thing is, that, that's been through some stuff. That's, he probably yeah, that's threw it at Wyland a few times, <laughs> wouldn't you think? Probably. He's got another one in there that's even more worn than that. Yeah. Absolutely. Oh, man. It's beautiful. Wow, so many. George Lynch. Yeah, I ran into him at NAMM. He's making a guitar for Jeff. Is he? Yeah. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, he Mr. is. Scary. Mr. Scary, that's <laughs> right. He, he, Jeff has a Mr. Scary coming. He definitely does. Brian Setzer. Yeah, <clears throat> Brian Setzer. Adrian Ballou, Adrian speaking Ballou. of prog rock masters. This, this guitar uh, fell... Uh, off of, uh, Tell us what off the guitar is that this one did you uh, show. Well, this is also a Parker, um, but this this is one that is um, after the departure.
departure of Ken. Okay. So this is a new custom uh, Parker, the new, new Zach Wilde. Okay, so let's talk this, about this guitar. The... He blowtorch. This is his rebel guitar, and he. Uh, Did you get to hang out with Zach? Did you have to have a beer with him? I hung out with his cooler other half. His guitar. Uh, no, his, <laughs> oh, his, his woman. His woman. Barbara Ann. Yeah. Oh, okay, so tell us about that. What was uh, that like? Where uh, was Zach? Uh, Zach was out, but I was at their house. Um, okay. And he's got a studio that uh, is all, you know, zacked out. Black Label Society. Yep. And uh, these were the two guitars uh, that, they, that he had had picked out for me. This is the Rebel guitar. And... Uh, the other one is the Grail guitar, and the Rebel, he blowtorched himself, and he pounded a bunch of beer bottle caps in it. And, See this you know, one, Jeff? He made it his own. <laughs> oh, yeah. Look at this one. The, the, the blowtorched. Well, don't you, don't, haven't you found in your travels that the guitars often represent the personality of the oh, artist? For sure. I mean, that's the cool thing about this book is that it's showing the wear and tear details of the guitars that fans can't see otherwise, or they don't really know the whole story behind them. These are not mug shots of guitars. They're intimate portraits that show their uh, sexuality, if you want, if you will. You know, mm -hmm. guitars are very sensual looking. And Steve uh, Morse is playing the Ernie Ball Music Man. Yeah. That's what Steve Lukather plays. I know. I just saw Steve Morse open for Joe Satriani in Chicago hey, about four months show. ago. I saw that show in Vegas. Yeah, yeah. saw it in Chicago yeah, it at the Chicago Theater. Uh -huh. yeah. And I also saw the Dixie Dregs you at did? the Roxy in like 76. Oh, wow. Lucky. So big Steve Morse fan. Tell This guitar is beautiful. Yeah, this is a real worn guitar. This is a, a one out of 50 that were made. It's a uh, Steve Morse uh, signature. Right. And... Uh, this is his, obviously. Yep. It's very, very worn. I had five seconds to photograph that guitar. That was amazing. It was also at the Greek Theater. Really? It's it in was, and out? You got five seconds, no, Lisa. No, it was supposed to happen before the show. The connection didn't happen. So sure. after the show, Shit I happens. had to, like, you know, really track somebody down quick because everyone's, you know, tearing down and wanting to get out of there. And so, anyway, Kathy Rallis, she showed up on the scene and made it happen. And... Uh, but there was no time to even set up my lights. She's just like, get it. But quick. you got the shot. So I threw my scarf down. Mm -hmm. I put the guitar on there, and there was a fluorescent light pounding down from the side of the wall down mm -hmm. to the mm -hmm. floor of the Greek theater passageway. Everyone's already gone. Yeah. And boom, got the shot. You got the Ian Anderson Martin Barre yeah, pair. You got I the did, and David Goodyear's in there too. The tall. The yeah, tall. you got the tall tr Trinity mm -hmm. here. But they're original tall. Yeah. You know, that's 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 aquiline yeah, stuff. Paul Reed Smith, the guitar is what he's playing these days. Well, not entirely cool original. Tony Iommi did play for a brief time with Jethro Tull. Yeah. Wow, he's, I didn't even know that. He's that's in the rock. He's in. Uh, he's in um, the Rolling Stones Rock and Roll Circus DVD. You can find that, and they do song for Jeffrey, and and Tony is playing lead guitar. <sighs> wow. It's crazy. Yeah. The Who were. I on just that saw. Ozzy with Tony and Geezer and uh, Brad Wilk, the drummer. Oh my God. Yeah, Rage Against the Machine. Huh. Yeah. Unbelievable. I, I just, I, it was the first time I'd ever seen Ozzy in concert and he had total command of the, of the entire MGM garden. Everyone stood from the second he got on stage to the end. Everyone stood the whole night. That is the command that Ozzy has over an audience. You know, when Zach Wilde first, 
first came on the scene, I met him. <clears throat> it was early in my RIP tenure. It was like 1980, late 87, early 88. He had total mullet, permed out, moosed up hair. He, he, it was, he had Who? huge hair. Zach. Zach? Yeah. Really? Yeah. When he first wow. came in Ozzy's band, he had total moosed out tall hair. Like, like Pantera before they, they became I fresh. Sambora got gassed. <laughs> That's wow. right. That's right. <clears throat> so here we are with Rick wow. Nielsen. Let's so Rick Nielsen. I, I gotta finish my Zach story. Okay, Zach's okay. So so I'm so There's happy. so many guitars in this book. He asked me about hanging out, so I got to shoot the rebel. And then I got to shoot the, the grail, the guitar tells the grail, because it's the uh, guitar that fell out of a road case on a, somewhere on tour. Someone didn't close the container properly or something. And it and fell it out. It fell out. Somebody found it in a pawn shop three years later and thought, hey, that, that looks like Zach Wilde's guitar. Shut up. C contacts him through his website and says, I think I found your guitar in That's serendipity shop. stuff. He got the guitar back. He calls it the grail, so it's in there. Cool story. Huh? Yeah, it is. That's what makes your book so cool. It's not just the pictures of guitars. It's it's the stories behind the guitars. Yeah, and Rick Nielsen. Uh, first time I requested his, I was in New York, and now uh, Rick Nielsen has like two thousand guitars. Yeah, I don't know how many he has. He has more than He's anybody. Got a lot, really? Yeah, more than anybody. Wow. He insists on that. I think. <laughs> <laughs> he was going to open a museum. I thought. He has thing. enough to, I mean, he could he have a wing of the Smithsonian yeah. or just his guitars. He's got the most but you shot, entertaining guitar. But you too. shot the checkerboard. Yeah, I did. Yeah, that's the Hamer. That's the Dream Police guitar right there. Yeah, produced mm -hmm. the record produced by my former golfing buddy, Tom Worman. Oh, really? Huh. Yeah. I mean, it's such an iconic guitar, and the road wear on it, on all his guitars is... is um, Oh yeah, they're beautiful. This is a guitar, the Rick of Diamonds. I haven't seen um, anywhere before now. It's a Fender. The headstock has these crystals embedded all around it, and the entire guitar is shaped like a king of diamonds. But instead, it's uh -huh. the R of diamonds, the Rick of diamonds. I think it's time for do we take a break and listen to some Ozzy? How about No More Tears? Because there's some good Yay! Zach on that song. Let's go for okay, it. this is Lon Friend. This is the Energize My Podcast. Lisa Johnson. We'll be back.
in the bush in the bush energize the lawn friend podcast las vegas is our home now lisa s johnson is my guest she lives here she lives in malibu she lives all over the world where she can find guitarists to take pictures of her book is lisa s johnson 108 rock star guitars tell us about the publisher and how people can get this book oh you can get the book on my website you can just go to 108rockstarguitars.com okay that's the best and it's also on Amazon.com. Okay. Rick Derringer? Yeah. Rick Derringer. Uh, I photographed this his Is this the rock and roll hoochie coo guitar? that's him, yep. Really? Yeah. Nice. It's a beautiful guitar. Um, it was a warrior guitar, and uh, I photographed that at the Dallas Guitar Show. He was there with uh, Warrior, and uh, right. I photographed the guitar right there in the Warrior booth. Cool. This is Bruce Springsteen's Strat, right? No, this is his, this is his Telly Esquire. Oh, it's his Telly. It's yeah, his Telly Esquire. Yeah, this is his famous Born to Run guitar. Oh, this is the one that's been dragged across the streets of New Jersey. Yeah, this is his most iconic wow. guitar. Now, how'd you, you, how'd, you, most how'd with. you this one come about? Uh, well, this one was in an ex exhibit at the Constitution Hall. Bruce was on his epic tour, uh, and um, this one was in the exhibit. And the, the day the exhibit came down, I got to go over there, and they took the guitar down. They had it still waiting in, in its case, and then when I came, they took it out. Like it a museum very, very piece, cool. huh? Yeah. It is. And, Look uh, at this thing. I, I have a feeling. I'm not sure, but it may have been rejoined back to him on the tour because he still was out for probably another six months after that shoot. Yeah. But I don't know that for sure. Have you, have you come to realize that the guitar players that you've shot who have been around a while – say 20 to 30 years that they love their oldest guitars still that they they still play those old guitars they, they have i think they still play a lot a lot of them still play those old guitars um i don't think kim they had played those guilds for a long time i mean mm -hmm. he was keeping them in safe storage i'm sure he would have played them again one day um uh i i think that you know like jimmy's still playing still playing his 68 double neck <laughs> Yeah, every that's now right. and then he probably pulls that thing out. Um, yeah, I think that they cherish that. But you know, like I saw you were flipping there, and there was uh, Warren D. Martini's yeah, guitar Warren, in there, his Chevelle that's got the Python snake cover on it. And and uh, I uh, he was playing at Nam this year, and I happened to see mm -hmm. some photographs of him. Unfortunately, I didn't get to the show, but. Uh, I saw he was playing his signature Charvel's, mm -hmm. you know, Python, mm -hmm. but it's the painted one that Charvel makes. So I don't know that he's actually out touring with that guitar anymore. So it was a, it was a real privilege to be able to go to his home and for him to pull out the original Python with the original mm -hmm. snakeskin on it. <clears throat> so you had a kind of a magical encounter with Roger Waters, Waters. with not with him personally, but and with, that's with four his strings. That, it's yeah. one of the. You, your your book is mostly six strings, but you do have some rather well, mythical I, bass I, players I made, there, like I, Trevor Boulder. I requested uh, both David Gilmore and Roger Waters. Mm -hmm. I never heard back from the Gilmore camp, mm -hmm. but I did hear back from Roger Waters. Okay, so tell us about that encounter. And I happened to be in England uh, photographing Jimmy Page's guitar, and when I got the yes on Page, then I I actually went around to photograph several other guitars as well. While you're in England. While I was in England. Because that's and the home of. 
great, so many incredible great, guitarists. Great, great rock and yeah, roll players. I photographed Pearl Thompson's guitar over there and Michael Shanker and K.K. Downing and Brian Robert Robertson. Nice. And then Paige was the last. And then uh, I, on the trip, I, I, I knew that Roger Waters was uh, doing the wall in, in Athens. And so I, I thought, hey, I'll request it. And if, so at any rate, I'm sitting there. It's 3 o'clock in the afternoon. I arrive. I'm in a taxi. And I'd been there before for the Olympics. I worked Kodak. Even though I had left Kodak, they called me back three times to work three different Olympics. And one of them was uh, in Athens. The Did Greek you Olympics. shoot athletes? Uh, no. No. I would, um, as work? Kodak, we would be there. We'd have, we'd have a massive Kodak booth. And all the photographers, the photojournalists that okay. were coming, we serviced them. We get made sure they had film. Okay. Their film got processed for, for free and okay. stuff like that. We helped them with digital. We provided computers and workstations. Okay. And uh, so I was on that staff. So I've been, I was familiar with the, with the Olympic arenas. And so Roger Waters is performing the wall in one of the Olympic arenas. So I was familiar with it. So the taxi pulls up. It's three in the afternoon. It is sweltering hot. It's July. And there's already a lineup around the block for people waiting to get in. Okay. So they bring us in at Soundcheck. And uh, Roger Waters, it's already in, in motion, Soundcheck is, is uh, probably about halfway through. And uh, he's got the, the animated videos are playing. And Roger is in complete control of the stage. He's got his, his bass on. And the, the children's orchestra were there. The, the uh, orchestra, the, the singers, the, the choir. choir. For all in all, you're just Yeah. yeah cool. And every place that he performs, they have the choir from that city perform. So he's there with the choir. Um, sound checking okay. and so it was just wonderful to watch and then at the end of sound check um, his guitar tech came over and I said okay let's go so we went and he, he, I had no idea where we were going he just leads me opens up the curtain that's directly underneath the wall and we're literally right underneath it and uh, there's road cases and he's like where do you want it you know and again I didn't have t tremendous amount of time found out my plugs didn't work yeah so I'm like well I'm gonna need light so road case was there. I said, just put it on the road case. And there was a, a, a one light bulb dangling, you know, from the Perfect. rafter. And I shot it. It was just that one warm light. And for me, Pink Floyd, one of my all-time favorite yeah, me too. Uh, bands. And it's, it's moody music. It's music I want to lie down to and put my headphones on. Yeah. And uh, I saw the Wish You Were Here tour in 75 uh -huh. at the sports arena. Thought I'd rub that in the... <laughs> Uh, and you got the shot. It, did you ever meet Rock? Did you get to I meet? didn't get to meet him. Before. Yeah, that's all right. No, but you met him. his guitar. I met his guitar hot off the sound check, so it was had it was full he, of vibration. It had his. I got the on vibration it. of his fre frequency yeah, right yeah. after he yeah. had played it. So, I was very happy with that, and I love the pictures. It's beautiful. Yeah. Lisa S. Johnson, 108 Rockstar Guitars, <clears throat> a truly a breathtaking work. You should be so proud, 17 years in the making, probably your lifetime in the making because of your love of rock and roll, your love of music, and, and the fact that you became such a, a consummate photographer. This was, this was an alignment for you to do this. And it's really be a beautiful piece. It's a, it's a work. Thank this you. Thing. It's, that means so much to me from Law and Friends, oh, man. So, I, it really does mean yeah. a lot to me. Just because I saw Pink Floyd 75 no. and 801 Live. No. Because I'm old. Because you know everything. You're like. You, <laughs> and Ian. Oh, by the way, Ian Hunter, Ian Hunter at the Santa Monica Civic. Mata Hoople. Mm. Yeah, it was great being in the 70s. But that's, I think, people my age. But don't, don't feel that this is reserved just for folks that grew up in the 60s and 70s like myself. 
this book, there there are young players in here too. This book is is kind of like it's a timepiece. Mm -hmm. That's what it is, and it's so unique. You know, it's Les Paul so told me, unique. He, one night I sat with him and uh, he was looking at my pictures and nice. He said, "You know." Your pictures are going to inspire young people to want to buy a guitar and personalize it for themselves. Because your pictures show how guitars personalize them. And it meant so much to him because he wanted young people to get involved with music. And whenever, half the time I'd be down there at the reading room, there'd be some young kid in there and he'd bring them up on stage. And would always give them a hard time if they weren't playing a Gibson, you know. Uh, so I, I'm blessed to have had the time that I had with him and, and sure. you know that he wrote the foreword for the book and, and that's why and he wrote the foreword a percentage of book. every book sold will benefit the Les Paul Foundation that's fantastic um, he founded that organization not too so go to Lisa's website get this book Lisa S. Johnson 108 Rockstar Guitars give it as a gift hey you can come and see me at Book Soup in, in LA oh when are you going to be in Book uh, Soup? If you want to give it as Valentine's Day. When are you going to be in Book Soup? And it's soup? a red leather at cover. So yeah, it's no, it's very sexy. Valentine's it's very Day sexy. present. Um, it's $108 for the regular book, and the uh, deluxe edition is $540, and it comes with a beautiful silk chiffon purple scarf that's really sexy and gorgeous. Uh, and it's so it's another $400 just for the scarf? And because it's a signed and numbered limited edition, you get the collector's okay, box. Okay, that's, yes, good. that's collector's good. box. Hey, you're doing what you know what Gene Simmons does. Yeah, I learn everything I know from Gene. <laughs> Did I you never, shoot I his bass? I never met him, but is his bass he's in got here? that Gene Simmons guide to is, marketing. Is whatever. his bass in No, there? it is not. No, Ace Frehley's guitar is in there. A couple, of, a couple of Ace's guitars are in there. Ace, Ace was one of the first cute. guitars I photographed because of our mutual friend Linda Rowe, R.I.P., she died a couple of years ago, mm. brain aneurysm. But uh, Linda Rowe worked for Bob Gruen. Mm -hmm. You know, he's wonderful. Bob. You know, everyone yeah. knows rock and roll Bob. Sure. And, and uh, I, I met Linda because of Bob. And uh, Linda knew Ace. And so she called him up and she's like, you got to let my girlfriend photograph your guitar. <laughs> and so uh, I had moved to Las Vegas and, and uh, Kiss was coming through. It was the final tour. Ted Nugent was playing and so was Skid Row. Yeah, it was their first of many final yeah, tours. Yeah, it was the first one. <laughs> And uh, so I got permission to photograph Ted Nugent's guitars and Aces. Mm -hmm. And so I'm there, and uh, I, this guy comes up to me and he goes, Hey, I'm Scotty Hill. And I'm like, Oh, right on. Skid nice Row Scotty. I, got, I actually tried to put a request through to you for your guitar, and, and uh, I didn't hear back. Or, and he's like, Yeah. He goes, I just wanted to see if you wanted to photograph my guitars. I'm like, Yeah. So no, he, I photographed his guitar amongst your decoy boxes because <laughs> Nugent was there. And uh, an ace, yeah, I got a smoker guitar and his UFO light guitar that's got the lights all around it. Yep. Lights up. I, I see um, this being the beginning of an, some, another book down the road. Another 108 like guitars. Yeah. I mean, because there's a lot of guitar players. Well, I'll tell you. Steve I, Hackett's not in here. Steve's not in it. The Edge is not in it. The Mark Knopfler's not Mark in it. Knopfler's Angus Young is Angus not is in it. Angus isn't in here. Malcolm's yeah, not lots. in here. Yeah, there's so many. It's so many. I've got a long list. I have, and I have over a hundred more. Sinister Gates list. isn't in here. Yeah. Um, but, you know, since this was done over 17 years, I've been shooting all genres. So I have already, yeah. like, a lot of blues guitars. I spent yeah. a lot of time in the Delta, Mississippi, the South, uh, getting a lot of Delta blues guitarists. Uh, hey, you know what? Jazz, you, country. I'm sure the editing was difficult oh. because I know from when I 
self-published my second book, I had 38 chapters and I narrowed it down to 22. Oh, my gosh. I had been yeah. writing for so many years and I'm going through and I go, wait, wait a minute. And then you self-edit and then you have help with your publisher that helps you. But but it's, it is it is very difficult and you never think you're done. <clears throat> so like with any piece of art, you abandon it. You don't finish it. So you have to walk away. Mm -hmm. Okay, here's 108. <laughs> oh, wait, shit, I forgot. No, I'm done. Yeah, it was the editing process was was difficult. I tried mm. not to have too much text in the book. I didn't want it to be overwhelming. Oh, your text it's, is really spaced out. Quick, nice. quick little clips. Yeah, uh, yeah, a lot some, of heart and soul in your in your anecdotes. Very, very good. Okay, get the book. What day are you at Book Soup? I'm at Book Soup February twelfth. February twelfth. From seven to eight. Seven to eight. That Book Soup is in L.A. Just Google it. It's a venerable bookstore. Yeah. And the same night, right after that, Michael Shanker's performing at the House of Blues. So I'm going to see Michael. Sure you are. Yeah. Absolutely. Right after. Awesome. Okay. So uh, I guess on your way out, we'll just we'll play some Pink, Pink Floyd from the oh, wall. How's that sound? That sounds okay, great. Okay. Thank you for coming Thanks, to Mom. the Jeff Youngs and Sherry's house. Pleasure. All right. It's Energize, the Friend Podcast. <laughs>
Pink Floyd, The Wall. Energize the Lawn Friend Podcast, show number 44. February the 3rd. You know what today is, Jeff Young? Today's the day the music died. Indeed it is. 55 years ago today, the plane went down carrying Buddy Holly, Richie Valens, Big Bopper. And it's, Dom, it's a sad note, and sad Dom, footnote. And Don McLean wrote that amazing song, American Pie, about today. I, I was posting something on Facebook today because we lost, uh, we lost a great actor yesterday, Philip Seymour Hoffman, on the 35th anniversary of Sid Vicious's ODing in I mean, New York. That wasn't lost on me. What Three blocks that? away. Similar circumstances. So, yeah, it's but but all these things are they all represent the end of something, uh, whether you're taking yourself out or you got demons that you can't handle, or you're coming to the end of a long lifetime. It's all an end. You go down in a plane when you're 19, 18, 19 years old, when you're just at the like the the you're, you're the you're, you're flowering your talent is your songs are just getting on the radio and boom you're gone, and they remember you. Andy Rhodes, remembered. How, yeah. Yeah, how about Randy Rhodes? Last weekend, I was watching Jeff Young shred his flying V on uh, on on a stage in Santa Ana, California, during the Nam show, which was a bunch of fun. You and Nuno Betancourt and some of the other guitar players that were on that stage. We're keeping the theme Rowan, guitar players. Rowan Robertson, yeah, Rowan Robertson, who followed who followed Zach, didn't he? Alex Skolnick of Testament. Alex was great. Great, great guitar player. Yeah. Who else? That was tons of fun. There's a man. few Mike Orlando from Adrenaline Mob, Robert Sarzo, Rudy Sarzo. Yeah. Yep. Brian Titchy picked up a guitar, Brent Woods. Yep. Yep. Bumblefoot. Yeah, Bumblefoot was there too. He had so, a double neck. One neck was fretless. Okay. One neck you, had fret so he could do the whammy and Mr. Crowley on the fretless without a whammy bar. He just. <laughs> Lit his finger down that neck <laughs> and brought the thunder. It was a magical night, though. And then the yeah. 15, some guitar players doing the guitar orchestra yeah. acoustic of yeah. D, the song Randy wrote for his mother. Now, I brought it up earlier before uh, Lisa got here that, um, that, I, that later on in the show, which is now, I wanted to talk about Mike, uh, talk about Philip Seymour Hoffman. He, mm-hmm. he, he, he portrayed Lester Bangs and the film very important to my heart and anybody who loves rock and roll almost famous and we had put the many people put this scene from between him and William Miller from where he's lecturing him on you don't make friends with rock stars which everybody knows how hard that hits me i it's it's been in both my books because i did make friends with, with the rock stars and then uh i have my own you know issues to deal with in that in that regard but all that aside, you you said I met him once. You I met did. You I met, did. You met him. I'll keep it short and sweet, as was the meeting. I was playing, performing, touring with a Brazilian artist by Giasaji, and we played Farm Aid 2000. And in the backstage green room area, he was there doing some type of interviewing tactics. He had a mic. He was passing it around. And... Uh, I met him. We talked. Of course, I recognized him in another great movie, Pirate Radio. Oh, I love Pirate Radio. Yeah. He's, He's on the ship at sea. Oh, that, that movie, too. It's amazing, yeah. 
and I told him how much I loved his work and he was super cool. I mean, and that's the only signpost I have to go by with, with the gentleman that yeah. in that brief five minute, uh, crossing of paths, he was a cool cat. It's a drag. He hadn't made, he hadn't done his greatest work when you met him 2000. Well, that's when almost famous came out in 2000. So I might've just wrapped on that. Yeah. But he, he had made boogie nights. Another class, I was going to mention another classic Hoffman role. Yeah, Dirk Diggler. They played the scene on NPR today where he's 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 just begging Dirk Diggler to kiss him, and it's it's so it's so great how diverse a performer he was. He he just dug into the deepest pit of every role he played. Magnolia. Mag oh, we well, Paul, him and Paul Thomas Anderson must have had a very close relationship. I I can't imagine how wrecked. Paul Thomas Anderson must be because Magnolia and Boogie Night and 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 the the Master was the last film they did together. That's a that's a trippy film. Him and uh, Joaquin Phoenix. I didn't catch that one. Yeah, it's heavy. Did you catch When the Devil Knows You're Dead? No. With Marissa Torme. I mean, just the scene. Uh -oh. you know, I don't know that one. I mean, maybe. <laughs> It uh, it opens quite uh, shockingly with with Philip and Marissa Torme in the act. Yeah. And okay. It's, it's all it's all out there. It's all out they're, there. They're in Brazil and okay. they're rekindling their their romance. All right. A great role for him. I highly recommend it. Well, now this listeners. is what this is what this is what people do, and this is why I made the comment on Facebook. Like the music, the musicians die, but the music lives forever. Philip Seymour Hoffman's gone, his films, and because we're in a period of this technology where you, all you have to do is go on your laptop and you can find just about anything in the world. <laughs> oh, okay. I found it. And then they live again. The performers live again. The music lives again. The art lives again. And that's, that's kind of what's cool about the now, is that all the, these things come back to life instantly. So if, if you think that you know, Lisa said she's a yogi. I, I've been a yogi. The yogis say we're nothing but the memory we leave behind. If you if you don't leave anything behind, then then, you, then then there's nothing there. It's vapor. So hey, make a mark. Do something. You don't have to be an actor or a star. Just make a mark. Paint the best wall. Be like Mark. You know, like Huck Finn. Paint that fence better than anybody. <laughs> Hey, wasn't that Daniel's son? <laughs> Paint the fence, wax and wax off. I think um, I said to Mike Stark earlier today, can you get find the scene from Almost Famous? And he said, I got the scene from Almost Famous. So I think I want to play that, Mike, so people could really hear how just how beautiful, for just Cameron Crowe's words being uh, presented by, by uh, the late Philip Seymour Hoffman. You cannot make friends with the rock stars. Okay, if you're going to be a true journalist, you know, a rock journalist, first you never get paid much, but you will get free records from the record company. <laughs> Fucking nothing about you that is controversial, man. God, it's gonna get ugly, man. They're gonna buy you drinks. 
You're gonna meet girls. They're gonna try to fly you places for free, offer you drugs, and I know it sounds great, but these people are not your friends. You know, these are people who want you to write sanctimonious stories about the genius of rock stars, and they will ruin rock and roll and strangle everything we love about it. You know, because they're trying to buy respectability for a form that is gloriously and righteously dumb. You know, and you're smart enough to know that. And the day it ceases to be dumb is the day it ceases to be real. Right? And then right. it just becomes an industry of cool. I, I mean, I'm telling you, you're coming along at a very dangerous time for rock and roll. I mean, the war is over. They won. 99% of what passes for rock and roll these days, silence is more compelling. And that's why I think you should just turn around, go back, you know, and be a lawyer or something. I can tell from your face that you won't. I can give you 35 bucks. Give me a thousand words on Black Sabbath. An assignment? Yeah. Yeah. to make your reputation on being honest and uh, you know, unmerciful. Honest. Unmerciful. Yeah, if you get into a jam, you can call me. Energize the Lawn Friend Podcast. I can't tell you how that cuts me. Anyone who's followed my career knows that I spent the 80s and the 90s on airplanes with uh, Metallica and Guns N' Roses and Aerosmith and Bon Jovi and um, bands of the loud ilk. And there was decadence and debauchery. And, and, and I, didn't have, I didn't have a Lester Banks to warn me, to tell me how so much of it was bullshit, how so much of it was they're, they're, kissing you, they're kissing your fucking ass because they want the cover of your magazine, they want to uh, be on your radio show, they want to be on your headbangers ball spot on, on Saturday night. But I was, I'm an idealist. My last name is Friend. So even if I, would be, I had been warned... I would have just turned the other cheek and said, no, they dig me. I know they do. I, I, think, I think Lars really does like me as a person. And you know what? I want to know something. I, I never got to the core of what was true or not true. I just did my gig. And I, there is something that, that is quite uh, resonant in what during that soliloquy is – integrity and be fucking honest and tell the truth that is something i never wavered from i it's possible that we avoided the scandal and avoided the warts that they all had in order to get to a more heroic image and i think that's what made the magazine so much more withstanding than the other publications is because we got to that truth and we made the artist look like here. Fuck, Jeff, you were in the fucking magazine. Okay? Guilty. That's charged. Yeah. Okay. And I can't tell you to this day whether Mustaine 
really did like liked me or or respected me. I think he respected me, and I think he still. No, he didn't like you at all. He didn't like <laughs> he me at all. He fucking didn't. He still doesn't. But I think he respects me. And I don't care about that anymore either. I don't really care what anybody thinks anymore. I'm I'm just into communicating what I perceive as the the importance of rock and roll, the importance of community and raising the bar because humanity's going into the toilet. Why don't why don't you ask yourself why Philip Seymour Hoffman had 50 bags of heroin in his apartment in New York City? Gee. There must have been some mighty long shadows passing through that man's hallways. He's an Oscar winner. He was rich. He, it, none of it matters because if you don't find the peace on the inside, you're not going to find it at all. And that's, that, I think, is the big strategy of, of all, man. It is. Right? Because don't you know, because I was with your the leader of your band when he was in his more smacked out state he could have been a statistic too he escaped it maybe he got some enlightenment now he's following a higher path but he could have been the guy they found on the floor believe me and he but he it wasn't his time man wasn't his time and i'm glad because he should be out there you know playing guitar and you know making rock, rock you know making rock fans feel good it's nothing like a feeling being on that stage, right? Is, isn't that, like, great, Jeff? Yeah, I never had that. There, yeah. I, I just, well, what was my stage? I didn't have a stage. Uh, but the stage is, is the if you're... TV Broadcast Network was your stage. Yeah, that, and then that is, what Pages was that? Rip Magazine? Yeah, well, well that's, that's a platform, maybe. All the world's a stage. Oh, I, yeah, thank you, Will. <laughs> thank you, William. Where's Getty Lee when you need him? <laughs> <laughs> oh my god uh, sorry I didn't mean to like, get so heavy uh, I think there's another I think Mike has another clip of uh, from the uncool which from Cameron Crowe's website I'd li- I, I personally I'd like to throw that into the mix too so let's listen to that oh man you made friends with him see friendship is the booze they feed you they want you to get drunk and feeling like you belong. Well, it was fun. Because they make you feel cool. And hey, I met you. You are not cool. I know. Even when I thought I was, I knew I wasn't. Right, because we are uncool. Now, while women will always be a problem for guys like us, most of the great art in the world is about that very problem. Good-looking people, they got no spine. Their art never lasts. And they get the girls, but we're smarter. Yeah, I can really see that now. Because great art is about guilt and longing and, you know, love disguises sex and sex disguises love. Hey, let's face it. (laughs) You got a big head start. I'm glad you were home. I'm always home. I'm uncool. Me too. You're doing great. The only true currency in this bankrupt world is what you share with someone else when you're uncool. Is that my advice to you? And I know you think these guys are your friends. If you want to be a true friend to them, be honest and unmerciful. 
that is that is something that I fucking was too I was too afraid to lose my access. I was too afraid to just stick the knife in when then believe me, there were times that they deserved the knife. But I took the higher road. Maybe it to my detriment, to my legacy, if there is one. Uh that you know, that's the reason why I when I finished Planet Rock, the the manuscript, when I had the galley, so I knew I was going to be published. That's why I emailed Cameron Crow and I said, hey, man, will you read my manuscript? And if you're inspired, can you give me my first quote for the back of the book? And 24 hours later, he had read the draft and he gave me the quote. And it meant so much to me. Because you know he's a hero of mine. We we had a couple good times together when he was when he he came out with the singles record and he he came up to the office once and we we did the he did my old radio show Pirate Radio. Speaking of Pirate Radio, Jeff, mm-hmm. I had a show called Pirate Radio Saturday Night. Yeah, how funny! Um, but uh, the, I love that guy, and you know he didn't he didn't have all hit films. He had Jerry Maguire, and then after that, people fucking. They they ripped them for Vanilla Sky and they ripped them for Elizabethtown and those are great films. Vanilla Sky is amazing. Vanilla Sky is a very f- zen I, flick. It's a fantastic film. It's it, it, it's like he's doing a cover of a film that's been made and it's such a brilliant concept to take a film almost frame by frame and do it in your do it how you see it in your style and he uses the same use the same actors who drove the film Penelope Cruz. And I and I and I will go to my grave telling people how much I love Elizabethtown. I love Elizabethtown because it's a film about going home. It's a film about um I didn't think I would go here, but I gotta sneeze. Bless you in advance. That's cause spirit just came into me. When uh in August my mom wanted to be cremated. She she just she just wanted her ashes taken to the desert and sprinkled. And the synchronicities will, will be will will reveal themselves in the next few seconds. I I went to this crematorium in Van Nuys and I picked up her ashes and I put them on the seat. Of the of the car, which was her car, because she left me her Camry, and I buckled them in, and I took a picture, and I sent the photo to Cameron with a note, because it reminded me of the scene where he's taking his father's ashes home at the in the in the last sequence of Elizabethtown, and it it's so odd because Cameron's born in Palm Springs. <laughs> And that's where my mom's ashes are, at the foot of San Jacinto Mountain. Uh, and my brother and I, as we were going into town, had Peter Gabriel's San Jacinto playing as, as we were on our way in. Uh, anyway, um, I haven't seen him in a very long time. And I think about him a lot. And I thought about him to when Seymour Hoffman passed. It, it probably It probably hits 
the the directors who got to work with him and so many great directors probably hit them really hard. I'm just assuming things. I could be way off base. Uh, poof. That was heavy. <laughs> now I want to fucking watch early. Almost Famous. And it's an important film to my daughter, too, because I showed it to her when she was like 12 years old, first time, 11 or 12. And she got it right off the she got it. And they were time. And when she came to visit her dad here in this very same town, when I exiled myself in 03, when I left L.A. and she visited her, her, her dad, her divorced desert dad. And she the, the first night she was here, she asked, can we watch Almost Famous? Oh, yeah. OK, well, this was a wow. Our show is over. <laughs> Got any parting thoughts, Jeff? So much for Lawn Friends Energized Podcast. Uh, I think another one in the record books. Yeah, number 44. So uh yeah, Mondays we're streaming at seven, and then it's on the links are on on uh on the Facebook pages. And you know me, if you know me, you know me. I'm not real good at promoting or marketing, but you could find me. I've noticed on my Google search, I just looked today, that Half the links are pod, are the podcast links, which means if they're high in the Google, then maybe people are clicking on it. Mm-hmm. So it's on iTunes. And I also notice that people are following me on Twitter, and I only do like one tweet a day. I tweeted yesterday about the, 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 the irony of, uh, of uh, Sid Vicious and... Mm-hmm. and uh, I don't know, Jeff. I'm kind of happy that I like doing the show from your living room. I know it's an imposition, Sherry. Sherry, come over here. (laughs) Sherry, I'm not going to put you on the spot, but can I come again another week? You're welcome. If you guys don't have something else going on. Look, Jeff's like, well, I don't want to commit. I'm, <laughs> no, I'm, I'm not good with commitment either, I'm, Jeff. I say nothing. She's <laughs> no, the boss. You're always welcome. The commandant. Oh, I just got a kiss. I tell you what, it makes us clean our house tidier. There you go. Yeah, Monday, so, suddenly, just... house cleaning day. Because Lon's coming over. It, yeah. it doesn't have to be Tuesdays with Maury. It could be Mondays with Lonnie. Exactly. Right? Exactly. Okay. All right, that's a wrap. I think, uh, I think Mike's got some Buddy Holly considering today is that day so we're going to go out with some buddy holly thanks that's my show for tonight energize the lawn friend podcast peace rock and roll
Energize the Lawn Friend Podcast. Okay, that was one of my one of my false finishes because I forgot I was gonna. I was a psych. Yeah, Jeff reminded me his the song that he and Sherry produced together. Jeff Young and Sherry. It's called "Come Closer." Come closer, and it's coming to iTunes, Spotify, Rhapsody, Xbox, Google Plus Music. I don't even know all the places, but it's going everywhere starting this week. So. Look for it. Look Check for our it. wallet, ballsdeepinrock.com. It's the quickest place, to, quickest place to find some info yeah, on Yeah, because it. I'm sitting on their sofa and, and talking through his expensive mics so you guys can hear me sounding better than I do on my $50 mic in my living room. And so I'm paying it back. And you who world premiered the track. I, I, I world premiered the track two weeks ago. So go out and find it, and, and, and maybe next week I'll play it again. There you go. How about that? Oh, did I go? That's that's a small toll. That's a small toll. All right, that's it. I'm out of here. Thank you.